again for your mercy and your grace. Every, every day your mercies are new every morning. And we are just so, so thankful for, for your goodness to us, and especially your goodness to us and your mercy to us in Christ. We're undeserving sinners, but yet we who believe you've had mercy upon us. And uh, it's overwhelming. It really is. It's, it's overwhelming. So we just give you all the glory and honor and praise. And we pray that we lift up these, these brethren and, and, and people on the list too that, that don't know you, that, oh, if it's your will, that you would, you would draw those who don't know you to you and, and that they would see, maybe see your hand and their healing or if they're going through any sicknesses or maybe that you would reveal yourself to them through your word and, and through, through, through one talking to, to them about you and about your marvelous grace. Uh, we love you. We give you all the praise. We, we put all these people into your hands and, and uh, pray that thy will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Like I say, we're doing an overview today. Ephesians is such a rich book. We have to remember, too, that these people, you know, I think sometimes, oftentimes, we, we forget the circumstances that these people were in uh, from a biblical time and perspective. And they were in a city where idol worship was everywhere and all kinds of things were going on. Not much different than today, really. You know, it's just different different things, different tapers. But they actually had temples to, to Diana and temples to all these different gods and there was all kinds of different worship. They had, they had gods for every single little thing. And, and um, so let's remember that perspective that the Ephesian... Saints were saved out of that, as well as the Colossians too. You know, when we go through Colossus, remember that too, as we're going through that book on Wednesday nights. So, these folks were were saved out of out of an idolatrous situation. They were Gentiles. The Jews saw, the Jews called them dogs. They didn't want to have anything at all to do with the Gentiles. And and the last thing they were thinking was that the Jews or that the Gentiles would be involved in the plan of salvation. But God had. God had a plan and a purpose, and He has a people out of out of every tribe, out of every every tongue, and and kindred and nation. And it's amazing. And we see that our ways are not God's ways. His ways are so much far above us. So much far above us. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter one here, and we'll just do an overview. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. So there again. We see the same phrase as what's in Colossians. It's by the will of God. Paul, Paul is an apostle by the will of God. He has his authority to preach the gospel from God. He's been called by God. He's born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He's a new creature in Christ. And his, Paul's focus, his main thing, is to preach Christ and Him crucified. And we know that from Corinthians. That is his main objective is to preach Christ and Him alone. So he's, a, he's an apostle by the will of God. And he's writing to the saints which are our Ephesus. So this book is written to God's people. It's written to the local ecclesia, which is a called out assembly in the Greek. That's what we are. The church is not the building. The church is the people. We're an ecclesia. We're called out people. We're called out from amongst the people in, this, in the world. And... And that's what believers in Christ are. They're, they're an ecclesia. But saints there is holy one. Holy one. So we don't always feel holy, do we? But God says that we are. 
which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So this book is written to the saints, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And every saint is faithful in Christ. Because it's based upon what he's done, not based upon what we do. You see, so we rock and we rest and we trust every day and in Christ and him alone. Your circumstances might not be my circumstances, but we still rest in the same Savior, don't we? The same God, the same King, and the same Gospel. It's Christ and Him alone. But through every circumstance that we go through, He is with us. He is with us. Now look at this. Paul always does this. And notice, notice here, notice the order. Grace always precedes peace. Okay? If you don't have grace, you won't have peace. And the way that we have peace is through the grace of God in Christ. You see, we have peace with God now. We were enemies with God. Now we have peace with Him. But notice the order. And this is something that Paul does all the time. Grace be to you in peace. And where is it from? From God our Father. From God our Father. And from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's from God through Christ. And then look at verse 3. Blessed be God be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. Now, who's he speaking to there? The Ephesian saints, right? God's people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, you get people, they're always trying to chase things. Every blessing we have is in Christ. It's in Him. That's our rest. He's our rest. The object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him are all the blessings of God. They're all in Him. That's why we always say as grace preachers, look to Christ. Look away from your circumstances and look to Christ. And I do it too. I have to do it myself as well. I'm just like anyone else. We're just saved sinners, all of us, right? And we, have, we get anxious. We get worked up about a circumstance or something comes up. Oh, Lord, I need to look to you. But then, in looking, we need to remember that all the blessings of God are in Christ. They're nowhere else. That's why we constantly point people to Christ and say, you must believe on Him and Him alone. Because it's not in your works. It's not in anything but Christ. All spiritual blessings are wrapped up in Him. In Him. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. And think of this too. When we're going through a trial or, or a situation. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. And this will bring us great comfort. And this ties in with all spiritual blessings in Christ. Blessed be the God and blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is the God of all comfort, beloved. All the blessings are in Christ. All our comfort is in Him. It's in Him alone. It's nowhere else. When we look to our... Trust me, I know. When we look to our... And is it not so with you? When we look to our circumstances or when we look to people, or we, we're all over the board, aren't we? But when we look to Christ, we have such peace and such hope. 
And he's our rock. He's our anchor. He's the foundation of what we believe. Look at verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now this is a verse that oftentimes folks stumble upon. But the verse is very plain in what it says, isn't it? God chose a people in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now someone would, might, might pipe up and they might say, well that's not fair. You're telling me that God chose people? He chose to save people, yeah. Think of the alternative. If God hadn't chose to save, no one would be saved. No one. And this is one of God's, this is, this is, this is God's doing. We don't know who God's people are. We don't know who he's chosen. Therefore, what do we do? We preach the gospel to all, don't we? And God does the saving. So, someone say, well, you know, I'm, whatever, I'm not one of the elect. Flee to Christ. If you flee to Christ, you're one of God's people. What, what's made you and I who believe to differ between our family members, between other people? What's only God, right? But God is the only reason that I'm a preacher, that I'm saved, is God. My brothers are still doing the same things that I would have done. But it's God who's made me to differ. And He chose me in eternity. I can't... There's nothing in me that would make Him choose me. Is there anything in you that could make Him choose you? No way. It's by His pure, free, sovereign grace in Christ. Because it pleased Him. And this is what the Scripture says. According as He has chosen us in Him. When was that done? Before the foundation of the world. Now think of this. I was looking at A.W. Pink's book, Gleanings in the Godhead, this week. And he was talking about God in eternity. And we don't really think that, you know, the more I... I this is about the sixth or seventh time I've read the chapter. I'm just, I think I'm just starting to grasp what he's trying to say. But he was talking about how God in eternity was by himself. And he was absolutely, perfectly content to be by himself. He was content. And he created the world and all the heavens that we see and everything. And Vicky and I were talking about this yesterday. And she, you know, she brought up, why did he do this? To manifest his glory. To manifest his glory. And what is our chief end? Why are we here? To glorify God, eh? To glorify Him. To praise Him for the marvelous things that He has done for us. It's amazing. We get to enjoy this world that He created to manifest His glory. You know, the, the birds sing different when you look at it that way. Everything's different. Because it is all to manifest His... Why, why are there certain things, and we're just discovering this... Why are there certain things in the deep depths of the ocean that no eye will ever see? But when they put the cameras on it and stuff, have you ever seen any of those things? They're amazing. Why? Why is that there where no one... To manifest His glory. To manifest... Why is a flower in the forest where no man will ever see, no man will ever step, no man will ever... But it's there and it's beautiful. and it's To manifest His glory. 
He does all things for His glory. Why did He choose a people in eternity? To manifest His glory. Oh, it's wonderful. And we say, in awe, He chose me. Oh. According to He has chosen us in Him. And notice that, in Christ. It's not according to anything we do. It's not God looked down through time. I'm reading Calvin, Calvin's Calvinism now and he's talking about the same error that we face today. In the 1700s, he's saying, this preacher over here, or so-called preacher he calls him, is saying God looked down through time. He goes, that's not even scriptural. See, we battle the same things. Tim and Bonnie and I were talking about that yesterday. Nothing is new. It's just recycled. All the errors that we see are just recycled errors that Paul dealt with, that that that. The scripture prophets dealt with, they're all the same things. They're just recycled. But according to He has chosen, He chose us in Christ. When? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy? Sinners made holy? Yes. It's marvelous. And without blame. Without blame. There's that perfect robe of righteousness that we're clothed in, isn't it? There's that perfect robe of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. Oh, it's beautiful. Without blame before Him in love. He loved His people. Having predestinated us, verse 5, unto the adoption of children. We're adopted unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. According, look at, look at the latter part of verse 5. Why does He do this? According to the good pleasure of His will. Because it pleased Him. Why does God save sinners? Because it pleases him to do that. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. People get they get they get twisted about predestination too. I've often asked people. I said, "Well, do you know predestination means to be conformed to the image of Christ? What believer doesn't want to be conformed to the image of Christ? We don't want to sin, do we? We hate it, right? We hate it. We hate it in ourselves more than anyone else. When we were in religion, we hated it in other people." But now in grace, we hate it more in ourselves than we do in anyone else because we see ourselves as the chiefest sinners. But it's marvelous. He has made us righteous. And it's all in Christ and what He's done. And it's all according to the good pleasure of His will. If you're here and you're saved, rejoice because you're saved because of the good pleasure of His will. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. And look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. For by grace are you saved through faith, right? And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we, we can trace the fountain of our salvation to the grace of God in Christ to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us. And notice that. We don't make ourselves accepted. We don't make ourselves accepted. He has made us accepted. And where are we accepted? Only in Christ. There goes works. Right? Come on. Out the window they go. Out the window they go. Oh... And look at verse 7. Here we go. 
in whom we have redemption. There's the purchase price. So those who are given to Christ by the Father, they must be purchased. They must be purchased. They must be ransomed. We're sinners. We must be made righteous. In whom we have redemption. Oh, we have redemption. How? Through His blood. Through the shedding of His precious blood. And look at this. The forgiveness of sins. How many sins? Oh, don't we love this? All our trespasses and sins. All of them. That's why we can be blameless before God. Isn't it marvelous? It's a wonderful salvation. Wonderful. And look at look at it's like it's like Paul just likes to rejoice in the the, the, the grace of God, right? It, because this is now the third time that he's mentioned something. Look at according to the riches of his grace. He's showing the Ephesians how rich they are in Christ. They're rich in Christ. They may not have a lot of things materialistically, but they're rich in Christ. And this is the same for every believer. We're rich in Christ according to the riches of His grace. Does He not give us comfort in times of trial? Peace that passes all understanding? Oh, and how do we get... We keep our hearts and our minds on Christ and on Him alone. Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Oh, does not the grace of God superabound towards us? It, it superabounds in our lives. And it's abounded towards us. And, and always remember who this is written to. It's written to believers, isn't it? It's written to believers. It's written to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And look at this in verse 9. Now, we come into this world, right? We know from Ephesians 2, we've looked at that many times. We come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We don't know God. We don't know who He is. We don't know. And we don't desire Him unless He makes us willing. eh? And then we run to Christ. We run, we run to Him. Look at this. Heaven made known unto us the mystery of His will. Folks are always trying to figure out God's will. God's will is in Christ. He's revealed it to us in Scripture. Heaven made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. See, God needs no counselors. Presidents, they have counselors. They have people they go to, advisors. God has no advisors. And He doesn't need any. He does all things according to the, the, the counsel of His own will. Whatever pleases Him, He does it. And, and for us, that's a rock for us because God has said that He will save His people from their sins, right? And that one day, we who believe will be with Him. God doesn't lie. We will be. Oh, what comfort for us as we go through this world. What comfort for us. So he's revealed himself to us. Do you remember Joseph and his brethren? Do you remember how his brethren came up to them, to Joseph? They didn't know who he was, did they? Until he revealed himself. And it's the same with Christ. We don't know who he is 
until he reveals them. And then when he reveals himself, you know, thy people shall be made willing. Hey, we run up with tears. We run to our king. We run to him. And we rest and trust in him. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The body, although we're different personalities and different people, different nations, different tongues, we're one in Christ. We're one. And that's amazing. And one day, the whole body will be with the head. We'll be in heaven one day for eternity glorifying our great King. We'll be there. Oh, we have loved ones and friends who are already there and brothers who are already there, right? We'll be there one day, we who trust Christ. (laughs) Oh, I know my Redeemer liveth. And it's not based upon anything we're doing, is it? It's all based upon what Christ has done. And He's revealed it to us. Do you see how marvelous the grace of God in Christ is? Do you see how, how, how superabounding, as the Greek says, the grace of God is? We who were enemies with God, shaking our fists by our own nature, and He brings us to Christ. And, it's, and think of this. Some folks might say, well, I still don't think that's fair, but, but I'll tell you, we don't want fair. Because fair would be everyone goes to hell. That would be fair. But oh, the grace of God in Christ. Oh, the grace of, that He has mercy upon sinners. And we say, come. Flee to Him. He's the only hope. Are you, are you having trouble in life and down? Well, we still have trouble in life and we still get down. But we have a hope. Oh, we have a hope, we who believe. That cannot be shaken because it's based upon Him and Him alone. It's, it's centered in Christ. It's centered in what He's done. He has redeemed us. We have redemption through His precious blood. God became a man and redeemed His people from their sins. It's marvelous. It's not any plan that men would ever think, hey, what, what's the first thing we think of when our enemies or if someone hurts us or we have an enemy? What's the first thing? Honestly, what's the first thing? We don't even want to say, do we? But God has mercy. He's rich in mercy. Oh, He's rich. He saves sinners. He saves sinners. Look at verse 11. And have you noticed the focus is all God and all Christ through what we've read? We are being we we are receivers of this mercy, receivers of this grace. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. How did we obtain an inheritance? Only through Christ Jesus and Him alone. It's all in Him being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Have you noticed again how Paul just keeps hammering about the will of God? That it's all His purpose? That it's all His will? God's will will be accomplished. And no man will ever thwart it. 
See, men shake their fists and say, I'll never, I'll never do. Christianity, that, that's for weak people. Well, I'm weak, yeah, I admit that. I am, I am. But I have a mighty Savior. And I'm saved according to His plan and purpose. Because if it was according to me, I would never have come to Him. But oh, the mercy of God in Christ. He draws sinners to Himself. Whom also we have obtained and obtained, and let that let that rest be balm to our hearts this week, beloved. Obtained, we've obtained an inheritance, but it's in Christ. It's not our doing; it's what He's done. But we we who believe have obtained it. Paul's writing to the the Ephesian believers, and also, and and this is written to us who believe too, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. It's not a maybe. According to the purpose of Him, look at this, who worketh all things after the counsel of His will, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Remember earlier, we talked about the flower or the, or the, the, the creature in the ocean that no one sees. Why is it that? To manifest His glory. Just to manifest His glory. God has mercy on sinners to manifest His glory. What a wonderful God. What an am- We're sinners to the core, but yet He has mercy upon we who believe. And it's all after the counsel of His own will. And look at verse 13. You must believe in whom, also ye, or in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of the truth. The gospel was preached and proclaimed and we heard and we believed. The gospel, look at this. Notice how he, he, he personalizes it too. The gospel of your salvation. For, for every believer, the gospel is the gospel of your salvation. Remember, my gospel. Not meaning that it's any of our doing, but it's personal. My gospel. Your salvation. Oh, it's marvelous. Because God saves individual sheep, eh? The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. There it is. We must believe. person who says, well, I'm going to heaven, but they don't believe in Christ. Well, that's contrary to Scripture. You must believe. And we know that. We who have believed know that because there was a time when we didn't believe. <laughs> and now we trust in Christ. He's our rock. And, and, and what is this belief? Trusting that Christ died for my sins, that He purchased me on Calvary's cross, that He really did redeem me from all my sins. And how do we know this? Because we're born again. Again, what comes first? Faith or regeneration? Regeneration. You must be born again. And then you believe. (laughs) Because it's all a work of God. It's all His work. And it's marvelous. It's wondrous. And look at this. After that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, so in verse, in verse 4, we see the Father. Now remember how I'm always hitting on this, and I, and I, and I hit on it because I just marvel at it, to be honest with you. The whole Trinity is in action in the salvation of a sinner. And, and it's just, I, I don't think we can say it enough because it's amazing. Look at verse 4, or verse 3, right? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He's the one who chose us. 
Verse 7, who redeems us? The Son. And then who are we sealed by? The Holy Spirit of promise. The whole Trinity, Brother Noah, was involved in your salvation. It's marvelous. It's wonderful. And we, this is why we give Him all the praise and the glory. This is why we just want to give it all to Him. We're closed with verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. And we're closing with this. Unto the praise of His glory. We'll give Him all the glory, won't we? We'll give it all to Him.